You are listening to Victory Alabang podcast. Why does marriage matter to God, and what's the secret to a happy and lasting marriage? Listen to this message by Pastor Bernard Vivaji. We are continuing our series on "Will You," and uh, the first week was what? Will you? The second week was "Will you be?" Thank you. I will. But uh, I just want to just, I've been uh, ministering at the fourth the entire series and I've put my sermon notes and summary on a blog that you will find uh, on the website on the screen. So if you are interested in looking and uh, today what I'm going to be sharing with you will be on the blog tomorrow night. So by Tuesday you will be able to get the notes. And so I just want to encourage you, take notes. And um, I'm sure you've forgotten what my family looked like. So I thought I'd remind you, um, because you've never seen them. That's my family. They are the incredible family. But let me just show you a normal photograph. Uh, God's blessed me with a, a wonderful wife of nearly 31 years and my three children that you see up on the screen. And being Valentine's Day, um, how, many, uh, how many husbands sent their wives flowers this week? One, two, wow. I want three, I want you to listen to this message today. <laughs> you know, I sent my wife uh, um, flowers. You know, she's, living, she's in New Zealand at the moment. And I sent her flowers and I want to just show you the flowers that I sent her because I really wanted to score pogey points. Okay? <laughs> and so there's the bunch of flowers. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure... She was blessed with my flowers. And uh, I definitely scored bogey points there. Puede. And so... Puede. That's better. Hey? But I'm not too sure what Pastor Ariel has shared, but I want to summarize some of the things that I've been sharing before I share the, the message uh, that I have uh, for today. And... You know, I, I look at life through friendship funnels. You know, we've all got acqu- uh, acquaintances. How many of you are, love Facebook? How many of you have more than a thousand friends on Facebook? Now, let me tell you, they're not friends. They're acquaintances. You don't even know them. You know a few of them. Because I often get invited to be my friend, and I have no idea who you are. But you know, if, you, if you're friends with Pastor Saul or Pastor Ariel, I'll accept you. Because if you're friends of theirs, you can be friends of mine. But you're really an acquaintance. I don't know you. I don't even know what you look like. But you see, they're acquaintances. But as you go through life, and as you spend more time, effort, and money on somebody, they can become friends. Or they can become close friends. The more time you spend, the more effort you put in, and the more pesos you you spend, they can then become intimate friends. You see, you can only have few intimate friends. You can never have a thousand intimate friends. You see, God's widest way, in a way, that we are friends with few people. But I pray that God gives you one special person. If you're a female, I pray that God gives you a male in your life that you'll become an intimate friend, 
that you can embark on at the period of courtship or Valentine that we spoke about last week. And I want to encourage you, whatever you do in that friendship funnel, do it God's way. Don't do it the world's way. Because very often people want to do it Hollywood's way. Or Bollywood. Or Tiger Woods. <laughs> that you can't do that. You need to do it God's way. You see, when you do it God's way, you will be blessed. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs 18.22, and I don't know what happened there. But it says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with God. In other words, the picture you see on the screen, that's my thing. Because the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. You see, when you look at that scripture, the he, male, is the hunter. I believe men should be hunting their future wife. They should be going out there to pursue her, look for her, hunt her. And all the ladies said, preach it, pastor. <laughs> ladies, you should be encouraging me. Because the men I find today are very passive. They do nothing. But they want a wife. The Bible says he who finds a wife. You have to go and look for it. Obtains favor with God. He finds, he looks for, he pursues his future wife. So if the he is the hunter, what is the she? I'm glad you asked. The she is the hunted. I don't know what happened to the word hunted, but it is there. You see, I believe that, women, you need to be in a position to release the fragrance of who you are so that men would hunt you. Amen. I see some of the ladies are starting to smile. You see, it's not about your outer beauty. That's part of it. But it's your inner beauty. It's who you are. Are you releasing the fragrance so that the men can hunt you? Are you placing yourself in positions and places that men can hunt you, ladies? I come across so many women. They say, Pastor, I'm praying for that special man. I pray every day that God would bless me with the man. I said, how, how often do you pray? Every day. I'm in my bedroom praying. I'm praying every day and night I pray. Guess what? You're going to be single for the rest of your life. <laughs> because nobody, no man is going to suddenly hear from heaven. Oh, I've got to go to Alaba. What's the street number? Okay, and knock on the door and say, Oh, I believe you've been praying for me. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. That only works in movies. In the reality, guys, you've got to go and hunt. Ladies, you've got to be hunted. Amen? But this is the key. Guys, where are you hunting? Are you hunting in the nightclubs and the pubs and the bars? Guess what? You're going to find a devil in that place. And that devil has a skirt on it. Ladies, where are you placing yourself to release the fragrance of who you are? Are you going into the secular world to find that special person? Are you going to the pubs and the bars and releasing your fragrance? Guess what? You're going to get the wrong man. The Bible is very clear. What has light got to do with darkness? 
place yourself in the Christian world that you can find a Christian man and a Christian woman. But guys, you've got to start hunting. So I want you to start writing on your Facebook, Today, I am a hunter. <laughs> By the way, this is only for the single men. If you're married, you've already got your prize. You can't hunt anymore. Ladies, you can say, well, I'm going to be hunted. <laughs> I've lost the, the pictures in the front here, so I have no idea what's happening. But uh, I think what's happening next is, uh, well, let's try. If you look at that particular word, I wonder what comes to mind when you think of the word marriage. I think for some of you, that word marriage brings a lot of pain to you. Because maybe you are in an abusive marriage at the moment. Maybe your marriage is tough at the moment. Or maybe you're a young person here and your parents have gone through turmoil in their marriage. Or maybe you've read so many articles that you think, you know what, marriage is outdated. It should go back to Noah and the ark. Because today, let's just live together and be free and happy. You see, no matter what you think about marriage, if you're a biblical Christian, God created marriage. It's people that have messed it up. Nothing wrong with marriage. Marriage is beautiful, amazing, and great. It's people that have destroyed it. And so as I share with you today, I want to encourage you that marriage is God-ordained and God-purposed. And so the message, and we end the series, is, will you marry me? Now please don't answer yes, because I am married already. <laughs> but it's, will you marry me? And so we're going uh, to continue and look at this. And when you look at the picture uh, on the screen, you know, I come from the city of Christchurch, New Zealand, and um, we've really experienced two years of absolute turmoil. We've had seven earthquakes, we've had over 12,000 aftershocks, and um, even since being in Manila, my wife has said to me they've had about five violent aftershocks while I've been here. And this particular dwelling is actually a two-story dwelling, two-story dwelling. During the earthquake of February 2011, the bottom foundation just gave way. And there was a guy on the top floor and one underneath. The guy on the top floor, he's opened the door and he worked out, walked out straight onto the garden. There was a guy underneath who crawled out that little hole that you can see on the screen. You see, one of the basic problems in a lot of the homes in the city of Christchurch, they had very weak foundations. The foundations were not good at all. And what happens when, the found, when any earthquake happens or shaking happens, and the foundation just gave way and the house came down. You see, in Christchurch, New Zealand today, they're now building homes where they have to drive pylons, big wooden pylons. They drive them straight into the ground until they hit rock. Once they hit rock, they are then able to build above the ground. If it's not wooden pylons, they, they dig holes all the way until they get rock. Then they put in concrete pillars 
in order to build their structure. You see, friends, your marriage will never survive if you do not have strong foundations in your marriage. Your marriage will never survive. You can have the nicest guy and the sweetest wife, but when the first shake comes, when the first earthquake of life comes, your marriage will never survive if you do not make sure that your foundations are strong. And that's what I'm going to speak about as we go to the Word of God. You see, I think most of us want to grow old and love each other. Amen? Now, you look, you can, I see you all laughing at that picture. Guess what? You're going to look like that. Yes. Galen. We all grow old. Our outer casing deteriorates. Don't think it won't happen. It will happen. Unless one of, uh, a pastor friend of mine said to me, Pastor, if you eat pork, you will never grow old. You die young. <laughs> then you will never look like that. And so let's go to the Word of God in Mark chapter 10 verse 6. And I want to encourage you to take notes as, as God speaks to you this afternoon. Mark chapter 10, verse 6. And Jesus is speaking. And and this is what he says. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and... Say that with me. I just want you to make sure what we're talking about. Male and... Praise God. Verse 7. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Let me explain something here. The Bible tells us here, read the words of Jesus. He's saying that a man will leave. When you leave somebody, you say goodbye. Bye-bye, mommy and daddy. I'm going to join my wife. But what happens in the world today is, I leave, oh no, come dad, mom, brother, sister, auntie, Lola, everybody come, and the whole 300 of you join my wife. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you leave and you be united with your wife. That is two of you. Verse 8 says, And the two will become one flesh. So no longer two, but one. How many of you attended school? Only three of you? Okay. Let's do a maths class here. Let's do a maths class in the Philippines. One plus one. Equals Kaleng. Man, you guys pass. But you know, in God's mathematics, as we see in the scripture, one plus one equals? No, my Bible says one. You see, the two of you will become one flesh. You are one. You need to understand that when you get married, you are one. Say one. You know what the word one means? One. There's no other word for it. Number nine. It's verse nine says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. You see, friends, if God brings a man and a woman, and you're joined together in holy matrimony, the two shall become one, and no man can separate a marriage union. 
And so your whole vocabulary changes. It's not me, myself, and I, and you think you're the Trinity. You see, me becomes we. Your whole vocabulary changes. It's we. What are we going to do? What are our dreams? Where are we going on holiday? Not where I'm going and you come with. It's we become we. Is that okay? And so I want to encourage you um, and share with you some important foundations of marriage. Important, there's a word missing. I'm not sure what happened to it. Maybe that got raptured to heaven. It says, important foundations of marriage. Okay? Marriage is important. So how many married people do we have here today? If you're married. Right. How many of you are praying to be married? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay. I think I'm speaking to everybody. And I want to encourage you, if you're married, listen. If you're not married... Write these notes, it becomes part of your life when one day when you are married. There are five foundations I want to speak on. And it all starts with the letter C. Five foundations. Are you ready? First one. Covenant. In the scripture, it says, the two shall be, be one, or shall be joined to become one. And what God has joined, let no man try and separate. That speaks to me about covenant. You see, friends, let me tell you something. I've been married almost 31 years. I have never, ever, ever, ever thought of divorce. Never. It's never, ever entered my mind. Murder, yes. <laughs> but never divorce. You see, what is the opposite of covenant? What is opposite of covenant? It's a contract. We enter a contract with somebody. And so a contract is like an agreement. You know, it's protecting your own rights. It's not about what I can give, but what's in it for me. Why am I joining with this person? Well, how can I benefit from this relationship? So you're protecting your rights. You limit your responsibilities. You know, I, I'm not going to give my all just in case it doesn't work out. So I don't give my all. You safeguard your own interest. And you can break the contract anytime. You see, so some people enter a contract and all of a sudden they don't make rice the way you like it. You laugh. Rice. Your state will die. And your wife or your, your lady you're partnering with, maybe it's an agreement. She doesn't make it the way you like it. Well, goodbye. I'm going to find somebody else. Who can make rice. And then you go to the next person. Oh, then there's something wrong with this one. Her hair's too short. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. And we go through situation and partners and partners and sexual partners. And we have these contracts with people. And we just break them all the time. I don't believe that's the way God wants us to live. Not if we live our lives according to the word of God. Because I see the word covenant. You see the word covenant is a relationship. You know, when I see my wife, we are in the same team. How many of you like basketball? There is a team here called Talk and Text. Is that right? Is that right? Talk and Text. Now, my wife and I, if we're on the same team, we'd wear the same jersey. She's got a Talk and Text jersey on. I've got the same jersey. She's not my enemy. 
She is my darling, my precious. She's an amazing woman. You see, that's the way we treat one another. Is that there's this relationship that we're on the same team. It's solemn and it's binding. We're serving each other. You know, when I look at my wife, I want to, I treat her as my queen. In my life, she's a queen. I treat her that way. I serve her that way. When she looks at me, she looks at me as a slave. I mean, a king. <laughs> she sees me as a king. She sees me as a king. And with that motivation, we try and outserve one another. It's not what I can get from her. It's how can I be a blessing to her in every area of my life. I want to outserve her. Imagine if you had a marriage where you were trying to outserve one another. Come on. You'll be so blessed. But if the one person is the queen and the other one a slave, you're going to have problems in your marriage. You have God in our union. God is very much part of the covenant agreement. And it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime. When I took my vows and I looked at my wife in the eyes, and I said, I do, I said, until death do us part. There is no other option. Our marriage will work. No matter if we have challenges or obstacles or mountains to climb, our marriage will work. There's no alternative and no option. That's covenant. Are you with me? Right. Let's go to number two. The second one is communication. Say communication. I work with a lot of couples. This is one of the biggest problems in a marriage breakup. It reminds me of a story that I read about this 95-year-old man. They'd been married 75 years and they were at a party, a celebration. And his wife was sitting in the front and he was giving a speech. And he said the following, and he looked at his wife and he said, My darling... After all these years, I found you tried and true. And the dear old lady, she had problems with the hearing. And she said, pardon? And he said, my darling, after all these years, I found you tried and true. Uh, can you say it a little louder? He said it one more time. He said, my darling, after all these years, I found you tried and true. And as he, as he said it, she snapped back and said, my darling, after all these years, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you know what? Funny story. But guess what? We sometimes miss what our husbands or our wives are really saying. And we tune in and we pick up information that's really not there. And we then react like the old lady. Because she thought to her husband and said, I'm also tired of you now after 75 years. You see, friends, we need to understand that God has given us two ears and one mouth. Take note, two ears. I think he's trying to say something. We need to listen more. And speak less. Can you imagine if somebody had two mouths and one ear? Now some of you have got that. It's just we can't see it. Because some people, all they do is talk. They never listen. But you see, I don't think God's given us a clue about 
communication. Let's start to listen to one another. How many of you got stubborn hearing here today? Raise your hand. Lord, there are no honest people in this place. I pray, Lord, that every single person will become honest right now in Jesus' name. Right, let me ask the question again. How many people have stubborn hearing here? A few more hands. Lord, I pray a release of truth. May people walk in the light here today. Right, let's go again. How many of you got stubborn hearing? Thank you so much. Ah, sure, man, come on. You know what? We've all got stubborn hearing. You know, sometimes our wives say something to us and we do not want them to win because we are males. Males want to win every fight and every battle. And so we dig our heels in and say, you're not going to win this one. And we say, no, never. Why do you do that? Are you going to score pogey points? <laughs> you know, I spend my life asking for forgiveness in my home. Let me tell you something. Men, if you want to score pogey points, listen to me. Your wife is always right. <laughs> Hear me. Ladies, I'm right, huh? Don't argue. Don't fight. Just say, yes, my darling, how much? <laughs> She's always right. Just get into the habit of saying, yes, darling, that's so exciting. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> Just say it. Stubborn hearing. What about selective hearing? Our ears have got an on-off switch. How many people have got selective hearing here? I need to pray again. Lord, I pray that people would be honest in this place. Right, let's, how many of you have got selective hearing? Let me explain to you what selective hearing is. Then I'm sure you all know. You know, this used to happen to me often. I'm glad my wife's not here or listening to this podcast. Please don't tell her to listen to it. Because I, I, I can't let my secret out. But I would come home from the office and I would be tired and exhausted. I'd go to the lounge. I've got a lovely lazy boy chair and the, the, the legs come up. And I'd watch TV, have a cup of tea or have a Coke or something to drink. And all of a sudden, I would hear this voice in the wilderness Bernard, are you home? I've arrived. I've got heavy grocery packets. Will you come help me carry? <laughs> After five seconds, I hear the same voice in the wilderness. <laughs> Bernard, are you there? Can, can you come and help me? I've got about 15 packets to carry. Guess what? Two minutes later, I see her. I mean, she's like carrying 15 packets. And she walks into the lounge and she would say, Did you hear me call you? I said, Did you call? <laughs> I, I didn't hear you. No, I called three times. Really? <laughs> right. Let's be honest. How many of you have got selected here?
You see, it's selective. We choose what we want to hear and we zone out for everything else. If it's beneficial to us, we listen. If it's not, like I have to get off my chair, I have to walk, I have to carry. It inconveniences me. So it's better to, to tune out and say, did you really speak to me? Did you do it? Please don't tell it. I don't do it anymore. But that's selective hearing. What about partial hearing? Just like the old lady, she only heard snippets, and then she formulated the rest for herself. And I believe sometimes in our marriages we have partial hearing, because your wife or your husband doesn't give you full attention, and try and fully understand what you're saying. Communication is so critical in a, in a marriage. What about normal hearing? How many of you got normal hearing? None of you. Okay, now you're all honest. Okay. But you know, I just pray that God gives us the ability just to be normal, that we truly hear what our husbands or wives truly are saying. You know, the great thing about my wife, she's a brilliant, she's an amazing person. She always gives me sound advice. 99% sound, 1% advice. <laughs> I see a lot of wives doing this. Sound advice. You see, if you don't listen, you don't understand, and then you're going to react. If you don't understand, you're going to react. But if you truly listen and you understand, how do you get understanding? You, uh, you get understanding by asking questions. Ask questions. Ask the other person. So what do you mean by that? Is that what you say? Let me check my understanding. Then you are able to respond in every situation. And the key thing is that is the way to do it. It takes time. It takes effort. But it's so worth it that we don't misunderstand each other. Covenant, communication, and chemistry. Now this has got nothing to do with the chemistry you studied at university. This is chemistry between a husband and a wife. You see, when, I, when you look at this next picture, this is what we call an overgrown garden. If you're in a house and you own a house, you will know that you have to do nothing for weeds to grow. You don't go to a shop and say to them, can I get five pieces of weeds? Because I want to grow in my garden. You have to do nothing. You don't have to water weeds. You don't have to put chemicals or fertilizers to make weeds grow. Let me tell you something. Leave your garden, it will look like that. Full of weeds. And you can't even find the husband or the wife in the weeds. But the reality, some of our marriages are exactly like that. Because you do nothing, your marriage actually looks like that. But you see, you have a choice. Your marriage could look like that. But you see, getting a garden to look like that takes effort, it takes money, it takes time. And if you have a garden like that, you have to stop making excuses. Hello? Often I hear couples, either the husband or the, or the wife say, oh, but pastor, we don't have time. Huh? You do have time. How much time do you spend on Facebook? 
How much time do you spend on Twitter? How much time do you spend watching television? Or working on your computer? And your best treasure, your husband or your wife, you neglect. That's the most important person. Because at the end of the day, one day when you're on your deathbed, it's going to be your husband and your wife next to you, not your Facebook. It will not be your Twitter. It's going to be your husband or your wife next to your bed. But you have to look after your marriage. And so I want to get practical with you. Is that all right? How am I doing for time? Another two hours? <laughs> oh, okay, quickly. I've got ten, have I got ten minutes? Well, I'll have to speak quickly. I'll speak in tongues. All right. <laughs> let's, get, let's get practical. Let's get practical. Let me give you some, uh, some examples. Do you know what? Spend quality time every day with each other. Guys, your, your uh, wife has got 25,000 words to use in the day. She needs you to create time for her to use those words. If you don't give it, she's going to explode. You need to create time. Set quality time with your wife every day. It's not the amount of time, it's quality time. Sit with her, talk with her. Allow her to release 25,000 words. Be interested in every word. Don't tune out and have selective hearing. You're staring at her, but you're thinking of something else. And you've got that glazed look about you. Quality time. Let me just give you the others. Keep making deposits in each other's account. You know, we've all got a life. Don't make withdrawals from your wife or your husband. Keep making deposits. Do things that she likes or what he likes. Keep depositing in their lives. Use words of love and affirmation. Guys, husbands, when last have you told your wife she's beautiful? Oh. Oh, I forgot. No, no, no. It's not about forgetting. She's your, she's your treasure. When last have you affirmed her that she's beautiful? When last have you noticed that she's done her nails? Or she's been to the hairdresser and she's removed all the gray for you? Do you notice those things? When last have you told her that you love her? That's all part of the chemistry. When last have you taken your wife out on a date? Besides Valentine's Day, who took their wives out on a date in January? One, two, all right, that's better than the fourth. You see, friends, you have to date your wife. Even if you've married one year, 12 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, you still romance her, you still plan and organize dates. And you might say to me, well, Pastor, I don't have money. You don't have to use money. Take a blanket. Take two bottles of water from your own home. Take a walk in the park. Put down the blanket. Drink your own water. But look at her. Make it special. Find a flower from somebody else's garden and give it to her. It doesn't have to cost you anything. But do something to make it special. <laughs> Lastly, keep the fire burning in your um, romance. I've got, I don't know why I'm going so quickly here. Character. Character is the fourth C. You know what? We all need the Holy Spirit in our lives. I believe this is the fruit that as a husband and my wife, I pray for both of us, we will always have the fruit of the Spirit in our marriage. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Friend, let me tell you, if you're full of the Spirit, your wife will see this fruit. You see, what's the opposite of being, uh, not having the fruit of the Spirit? The opposite is the fruit of the devil. You will find an angry man. There won't be any gentleness. There will be no kindness. There will be no self-control. You'll find the opposite of all of that. So in your marriage, pray that, that the fruit of the Spirit is so evident in your marriage and in your lives. I'm not perfect, but that's what I pray every day. That my wife will experience the fruit that's in my life. May she be a recipient of my gentleness, my kindness, my self-control. Lastly, the fifth C is Christ. We all know that though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need Jesus Christ in our life. Friend, let me tell you something. If Jesus is not in your marriage, it will really not survive. I believe if Jesus was not in my marriage, I wouldn't be here today preaching the way I am today. It's Jesus is the third, the third strand in that core that makes our marriage strong. How can you bring Jesus into your marriage? Once again, let me just give you, run through some quickly some practical tips. Pray daily for each other. I really believe if couples pray together, stay together. And when I say pray together, please don't get weird and think you have to pray in the Spirit for an hour with her. Shake four times. And, 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 and do crazy things. You know what? All I do is I take my wife by the hand. I say, my darling, I want to pray for you. Well, Jesus, I just pray that as we go to work today, Lord, may your grace and may your favor be upon us. As Colleen goes to her work and whatever she does, I pray your protection upon her. As she mothers the children, as she meets people today, may you be with her. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a 30-second how many of you can do that? That's what it is. We sometimes make it this enormous thing where it's really aggressive. Make Jesus the center of all that you say and do. Attend church, small groups, serve in the church. Do it as a couple. Do it as a family. Do something together spiritually. Friends, I really believe that as you press into Jesus, you look on the triangle on the screen, on the one corner is you. On the other corner is your husband or wife. As you press into Jesus, I know this is true. When you press into Jesus, you draw closer and closer to each other. But the key is, are you pressing into Jesus? Sometimes the female presses into Jesus and the male lags and you have a distance. Or the other way around. I just pray that you will both press into God. Make Jesus part of your life. Friends, I believe these are foundations. Just help me with the five foundations. I want to encourage you, if you're married here, that's part of your marriage. The first one is covenant. Second, communication. Chemistry. Character. Jesus Christ. Make those the pillars of your marriage. We hope you were inspired by that message. Grow in faith and make new friends. Join a victory group today. 
Simply sign up at the Get Connected page of our website on www.victoryalabang.org or at the concierge on weekends. Thank you and stay connected.